Well, good morning. It's good to have you joining us in absolutely what has been a full service. Well, at least media-wise, it's been a full service. I sure wish you guys were here with me. I'd much rather be saying how good it is to see you, but... Well, the weather has not allowed for that today, so I hope you're warm and comfortable. And let me tell you something, why we haven't been able to gather, I sure do appreciate uh, you, you joining us, you watching the stream and, and uh, us getting to kind of gather in this way. And while we may not get to gather, gather and sing together and give and, and encourage one another and do all those things we do here in each other's presence. At least today we can kind of keep moving forward uh, in the new series that we just started that is not just a series here in the sanctuary but is kind of running throughout our lives and I'm going to kind of refer to that in just a moment. But I certainly do want to again wish you Happy New Year uh, for those of you maybe just joining us. I know we're already two weeks in now to this new year but I'm still praying you're getting off to a great new year. And uh, I'm so excited because what we looked at last week is that God wants us to have a good year. God wants this to be a year of of His goodness in our lives. God wants this to be a year where you know His blessing. And, And getting to that blessing is not just a wish. Oh gosh, I sure hope, you know, maybe this year. No, God has given us a path. And the path to God's blessing is His Word. And so this year we have kind of dedicated ourselves to a year of the Bible. And uh, we are taking that on in a, in a couple of different ways. Three to be exact. In this year of the Bible we're encouraging uh, every single individual to read through the Bible on their own. And uh, just page by page, chapter by chapter, start working through the Bible. Now, I know there's, there's people listening to me right now that maybe you weren't here last week or weren't aware of this, and you think, well, I can't really start now. We're already 13 days into the year. Yes, you can start. Don't, don't worry about being 13 days behind. Here's what I would do. I'd find a Bible reading plan. I'd look and see what it says to do on January 13th, and I'd start right there. And uh, you can kind of go absorb the other 12 days on, in, in certain ways throughout the year. Or may, maybe just read till January 12th of 2020. But you can get through it. Don't give up reading through the whole Bible because you've missed some pages. So want to encourage that. And, uh, you know, we've been encouraging a lot of people to check out our, our church app. And on our church app, down at the bottom bar, there's a, a word daily and a little picture of a, of a Bible or a book. When you click on that, there's a Bible reading plan there that'll take you through reading the whole Bible in a year. But if you haven't tried that out, something else that is there is when you click on that, there is the option to hear the Bible read out loud or, or an audible reading. And so for those of you that maybe have a 15, 20 plus minute commute to work, your daily Bible reading could just be getting in your car, hit play, and, and listen to that as you make your way to work. So however you get it accomplished, we're all going to work together this year at reading through the Bible. Then when we arrive here at church, and I say church... It could be in somebody's home, but when you go to life group, uh, a small group of friends, uh, we're going to all work through the entire Bible together uh, with these books. And I know you really can't see those from this distance, but, but we've got six books here. 
And uh, each book has seven lessons, 42 lessons that are going to take us through the whole Bible. Now, 42 lessons, no, we're not going through the Bible word by word, verse by verse, but what this will do is carry us through major areas, major sections, like, like the fifth volume is the Gospels. So in seven lessons, you're going to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're going to understand what the Gospels are about, why God gave us those, what we should walk away from in tow, in hand, and, uh, and we're going to do that together. You know, I say with a small group of friends, I imagine some of you may be getting into a, a small group for the first time and don't know people, but what a great way to begin building relationships. Man, we build relationships over pizza, over football. We build relationships with people at work because of commonalities. But what a great way to build a relationship around the study of God's Word together. And uh, want to encourage you, just like I did last week, to get all six books. Now, you just buy one at a time. They are uh, $10, at least that's what we, we pay. We pay $10 a book, plus shipping, uh, and, but we're going to sell them to you for $7. We're trying to make it as, as manageable, as affordable as we can. But uh, I hold these up just to say this, to think that when we finish right before Thanksgiving... You're, you're going to be able to hold in your hand your personal Bible studies, your personal notes, and commentary on the entire Bible. I, I'm guessing a lot of us don't have something like that. So this really is a unique year, a unique opportunity in your life. And then you'll, you'll, you'll come to church and in the congregation, in the worship time, uh, I will be tracking along with those 42 weeks, those 42 lessons. That doesn't mean I'm going to be giving a very similar lesson or the same lesson as the life group teacher. No, they'll, they'll be doing their own thing. One of the reasons you won't hear same lessons is because we are covering in each lesson such a kind of a big swath of information. Man, the life group teacher is going to approach it one way. I'm going to approach it another. But what that gives you is two lessons a week on that area of the Bible. So again, you're reading through it alone, you're studying it together with friends, and you come in here and we hear it all together. I really believe, and I mean for really concrete reasons, that every single one of us, wherever we are on the spectrum of engaging with God's Word, every one of us has a chance to take our biggest leap forward in understanding, reading, knowing the Bible. I mean, you may be somebody down here who's barely cracked the book. You may may be somebody that could be called a Bible scholar, but every one of us this year is going to take a big leap forward. And I have a promise from God. I have a promise from God, Revelation 1-3, that that will result in my blessing, in your blessing. And can you imagine when we are all together being blessed, what that means to our church, how God, how God delivers that blessing through our lives and, and really how our lives are, are gathered together and connected together as a family. That means something to our, our whole church. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, today uh, I'm going to kind of begin kind of starting to track more next week. I'll really be tracking with the curriculum uh, that, that life groups in. But today they're in Genesis, in life groups. And uh, what I'm going to do now is kind of an overview 
of Genesis. You know, and I want to refer back to the books again because this is kind of interesting. There, there are six books and there are 66 books of the Bible. So you would kind of anticipate, well, there, there must be 11 books of the Bible per volume. Well, it doesn't work like that. I, I already told you volume 5 is four books, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and each book will take on a little bit different number. But only one book in the Bible gets an entire volume to itself. And that's Genesis. That kind of makes you think, now why, why is that? Why does Genesis get a whole seven studies to itself while the rest of the Bible is going to be crowding into those seven studies? Well, I think the case could be made that Genesis is the most important book of the Bible. It is, it is the foundation by which every other book of the Bible flows out of. Everything in the rest of the Bible is addressing issues that were shown in Genesis. As a matter of fact, every major doctrine of the Christian faith, and you probably can throw in a lot of minor doctrines also, but every major doctrine is going to have its beginnings, no pun intended, is going to have its beginnings in Genesis, there will be a verse in Genesis for any doctrine out there. I might go so far as to say that Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, is the most important verse of the entire Bible. Look at that up here. Now, this is just a, a, a real simple verse, a real simple line. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, now you know what? If, if, if you, especially if you already believe that, you and I will read right by that, not even think there's that much there. Do you realize how much is actually in that very simple statement? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay, there's a God. This is all His. It's His design. It runs according to His plan. You know, just based on that information right there, I, uh, I should probably read verse 2. So should you. <laughs> I mean, a lot of questions are going to roll out of that, that very simple statement. Who, who is this God? What, what's he like? Uh, are there any requirements of me? Am I ever going to meet this God? You see, these are all things we should be asking because of that simple line right there. And, you know, if I could flip this around on you, showing how important that verse is... If there is no God, and obviously there are plenty who believe that. If there is no God, then I absolutely do not need to read verse 2 or verse 3 or anything that is going to follow verse 1. So you see how pivotal that is? Literally the entire scripture rolls out of the line in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. So now what I want to do is, is just kind of give us an overview of Genesis, kind of a big picture. And uh, you, can, you can see Genesis in two parts. Uh, you've got the beginning of the human race, and you've got the beginning of the Hebrew race. Beginning of the human race, ch chapters 1 through 11. The beginning of the Hebrew race, chapters 12 through 50. Big, big things, big items taking place in those first 11 chapters. Creation, the fall, the flood, the nations. That's kind of a big one right there because up to here, you know, you just got lots and lots of people. Well, all of a sudden, these lots and lots of people are starting to become 
nations. And so that's what we're seeing. That's the information given in the beginning of the human race. And then we have the beginning of the Hebrew race. And we'll discuss in a moment just why that's so important. But that's 12 through 50. And the patriarchs of the Hebrew race are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As a matter of fact, throughout the Old Testament, even sometimes in the New Testament, they'll refer to the Hebrew faith. They'll, they'll refer to the Jewish people as the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so, uh, and I didn't forget Joseph. Joseph's down here, but these first three are the patriarchs. And then Joseph, what an incredible life. There is so much for your own personal life to benefit from seeing how God works through the life of Joseph. One-fourth of Genesis is about the life of Joseph. That's kind of an interesting little uh, factoid there to me. But anyway, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this is the story of their families and how those families are, are going to become uh, the, he, the Hebrew people. So the word Genesis uh, is, a, is a Greek word, and, and it literally means origins or beginnings. And that, that word is interpreting the Hebrew word, uh, that was Bereshef, and that Hebrew word literally means in the beginning. You know, that's a lot of times what the, the Hebrew people did when they titled a book of the Bible. They just took the first word in the book or, or the first phrase. And so Genesis in the, in the Hebrew Bible would be seen as just in the beginning. Uh, it, it is a book about, as we just said, it's a book about beginnings. And uh, Moses is the writer of Genesis. As a matter of fact, Moses is the writer of the first five books of the Bible. He wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, there's a huge difference between Moses writing the first book and Moses writing the next four books. And, And here's the difference. In Exodus through Deuteronomy, Moses is actually a participant in the story. He, he, he is inside the story of Exodus through Deuteronomy. He's an eyewitness to the things going on. He is not a participant. He's not an eyewitness of anything going on in Genesis. As a matter of fact, when historically, when you look at the closing events of Genesis chapter 50, Moses is going to be born a, well over three centuries after those events. So that would leave one wondering... Well, how does, no, how does Moses know? How, how did Moses know this is what was going on in these families or these conversations or this is how things were created? Well, dare I say uh, God told him? <laughs> I, I, I mean, look at the special relation, uh, relationship that Moses had with God. I mean, look at Mount Sinai. I mean, God talked directly to him. We, we actually see Moses, you know, taking dictation, if you will, on, on getting the Ten Commandments. And, and there was several times that, that Moses was on Mount Sinai for long periods of time with God. And God is going to give him the information of Genesis. Why? Because it's the foundation to absolutely every single thing that is going to be said from Exodus all the way to the end of the Bible in Revelation. So God reveals that to them. You know, as a matter of fact, Moses would have received that from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would have inspired him to write that, led him to write that, made sure it was accurate. And that's true whether a writer of the Bible is a participant in the story or standing back just receiving the information from the story. I mean, 
Moses was a part of what was going on in Exodus through Deuteronomy. But what he wrote in those books is what the Holy Spirit led him to put down, inspired him to put down. And so Moses brings us, uh, Moses is, is the author, uh, the human writer of those five books and of Genesis. Now, there are, I want to give you several key passages, key scriptures in Genesis. Now, that's a big book, and, and it's kind of hard to narrow it down to a few, but I want to give you four. I'll start with two uh, verses up here. One we've already seen, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. If I'm going to say that's the most important verse in the Bible, then obviously I'm going to say it's a key verse in Genesis. The second verse, Genesis one twenty-seven, is really not adding any new information. It's, it's saying the same thing. I mean, here, God created everything. Here, God created man. Well, man's a part of everything. But look what he says. So God created man in his own, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You know what I kind of see God saying here? I made everything. And I want it to be clear, I made you. You know, there, there's not another verse in the Bible about other parts of creation. I mean, Genesis 1 is going to detail how God made the sun, the moon, the stars, how God made, made the animals, but there's nothing like humanity that he just hones in on and says, I want to be real specific here. I didn't just create mankind, a, a, another kind of animal. No, I created you. I created you. I formed you. I fashioned you to be in my own image. To bear qualities like me, to, to, uh, to be able to relate with me. God made us in his image, male and female. He distinctly refers to that. And as we, as we open up Genesis 1 and 2, I mean, everything that is the building blocks of life is, is there. And we think about, again, God making the sun, the moon, the stars, and animals. But he, but he made male, he made female, he made marriage, he made the home. All those things are in Genesis 1 and 2. And so you've, you've got this new home, this new family, this new married couple. And, and God get, basically gives them two assignments. Now you could call them commands, but they're not, they're not rules. I would think of them more as opportunities. Here's what I want your individual life, here's what I want your marriage to be about. And he gives them two things. Multiply. Multiply. Fill the earth with people. And then the second one, manage. Manage. I, I want you to manage this place. It, it's mine. I'm the owner. But here's the keys. I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it all to you. And I want you to manage the, the mountains, the deserts, the, the animals. I, I want you to manage this earth. And that was meant to to give us a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose, to really, I mean, we're created in the image of God to give us something God-like. I mean, we can be a part of creating. We, we can be a part of, of managing and sustaining and, and caring for, and God brings us along in that way. And then he does give them one, what I would call rule, one, one very specific command. And he says, don't eat from the tree. Don't, don't eat from the tree. Now, I, I want to be clear, it's, it's one tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is what the Scripture calls it. But it is just one tree. I think sometimes we get in our mind, like, you know, there's only a couple things God's given us, and one of them we can't have. Remember, God just gave Adam and Eve, gave humanity the whole earth. 
Every tree is yours. Every bush, every plant, the, the, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the animals on the ground. It's all yours. Don't touch the one tree. Don't eat from that one tree. Now, you might say, God, why'd you put the tree there? <laughs> Seems like if that tree wasn't there, we, we wouldn't have had a lot of our problems. As a matter of fact, we wouldn't have had any of our problems that we have in life and humanity. But that, that tree is there. God, why did you tempt us? You know, the scripture says that God doesn't tempt us. It very specifically says God does not tempt, encourage, lead, trick people into sinning. He doesn't do that. So, so why the tree? The tree's not a temptation. The tree is a test. Well, well, what is God testing? He's testing if you, if I, will actually acknowledge that he's God. We might say, well, of course I will. You're God. But, but really, how do we, is it just words? How do we acknowledge that he's God? You know, when, when God says, don't eat from this tree, that's, okay, God said that. He's God. He made me. He made everything. He gets to make the rules. He said not to do that. I'm going to honor him as God. I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust that God is good when he says, don't touch that. Or excuse me, don't eat that. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume he's being good when he tells me that. And since I want to honor him as God, and since I trust that he's being good, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey. You see how that kind of works together? That tree is not a temptation. And while it is a test, I think I would still again use the word, it's my opportunity. It's my opportunity to show God, I do believe you're God, I do believe you're good, and I'm going to obey you. Is that what happened? No, not, not at all. Adam and Eve, as a matter of fact, I think a lot of you know the story, Genesis 3.8. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And you know, honestly, we could sit here and go, golly, Adam and Eve, why did you? You know what? Adam and Eve are standing at that tree representing you and me and, and honestly representing what every single one of us would have done. I, you know what? I bet they would say, oh, I want to honor God. Oh, I, I trust and I, I want to obey. But you know, they, they did get tempted. They did get tricked into thinking that, that God wasn't good. That, that God was holding out on them. That, that there's, something, there's something behind the tree. There's, there's something in that fruit. God, God's keeping us from something better. And you know what? I'm going I'm to go with what I think. I'm going to go with what I feel. I, I, I think I can have more. I can have better. I can, I can go further without God. And boy, what happened after that is anything but that. We didn't go further. We didn't experience more life. We didn't experience a better life. As, as a matter of fact, what we now had was separation from God. Tension between each other. Tension, conflict in relationships. Shame in relationships. Uh, remember those two things God said to do? Multiply and manage. Did you know that was now affected? We're still going to multiply, but there's, there's going to be pain in childbirth. Uh, we still manage. We still work. But now. <laughs> the soil literally fights us. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think I have to explain that. Work work is hard. Work is stressful. Work makes us sweat. That wasn't God's original design. Work was to be a fulfilling way of coming alongside God and and living a purposeful life. Now, work is something we want to be done with. When do I vacation from work? When do I retire from work? Sin is what impacted all of that. No, it, 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 it didn't give us more of anything. It, it, it actually, it, it took everything that we, that we had. And so, uh, we need to remember, God is good. And His Word is good. And uh, I'm going to come back to Genesis chapter 3 in just a little bit and explain a, a little bit more how Satan is working in your life, in my life, and, and how his work is an attack against our relationship, our engagement with the Word. So let me give you two other key passages uh, in, in Genesis. Uh, the next, first one, and I, I, I said a moment ago, I'm going to talk to you about Genesis 12, 1 and 2. Now the Lord said to Abram, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. You know, we just talked about this at Christmas time, didn't we? God, God blesses us. God does good things in our lives, ministers to us. So that, not the only reason, but absolutely a reason, so that we can take whatever we've been given in, in God and be able to give that, share that with others. And, and so that's a part of what is happening here. We see that God wants to bless and he wants to empower and enable us to bless. But the big thing happening here. It, with Abram is not just Abram you're going to be a blessing to the world and that's just kind of a general statement no the blessing that Abram would be is that the Messiah would come through this family now you have to go back to Genesis 3 when they're seeing all the consequences of what came from their sin boy right in the middle of that Genesis 3:15 God says this hey Eve I want you to know something now think of think of think of what's just happened Eve Adam they've made a massive mistake they have done a massive wrong thing and consequences are just falling out and yet right in the middle of that God says hey Eve I want you to know something from you from your seed is going to come one who will crush the head of Satan who will crush sin is going to come one who will restore gosh in the middle of that mess God gives hope Okay, well now after Eve and and the world is beginning to multiply and and advance and there's all these people. Listen, God's not hiding who that one is. He wants us all to know when that one arrives. And so what happens as we move into Genesis 12, God narrows in on the family that that one is going to come through. I mean, all kinds of families, all kinds of people being born. Genesis chapter 12 is the beginning of a process where God is narrowing down where the Messiah is coming so that we can see him. So the big blessing that Abram is going to be to the world is that through his line, through his family, is going to come the Messiah. One other verse, uh, it's, it's one of the, almost at the very end of the book of Genesis, Genesis fifty twenty. it says, as for you, you meant evil against me. Well, let me stop right there. <laughs> and anybody watching right now feel like somebody has it out for you? 
feel like somebody intends ill will, intends evil in your life. I'm guessing quite a few of you watching would say, I know that guy doesn't like me. I know that that person would take me out or would harm me. You know, we've got people like that. But you know, whether they're successful or not at bringing evil into your life, we've got a promise here. Whatever's happening... Whatever person, whatever force is coming against us, whether it's successful or not, at the end of the day, that evil doesn't have the final word. That evil is not the final shaper and definition of your life. Ultimately, God says, it ends up serving the good that I am doing in your life. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that again in, in just a moment. So I want to, I put these two verses here together because I, I, I want to bring them together. I want to go back up here. So Abram's family is the family that the Messiah is going to come through. Did you ever stop and think, boy, I, want, I wonder what it takes to get picked to be the family that the Messiah, I mean, I, I, I'll volunteer I'd like the Messiah, I'd like, I'd like Jesus to come through my family. Boy, that must have been some special family to get picked. I wonder what the requirements were. What was the application process? What made Abram and, and Isaac and Jacob, what made the Hebrew people stand out so that they got picked? You know, that's the great thing about reading Genesis is... You do learn about people. You do learn about families. And when you read about these families, you're going to go from, how did they get picked? To, how in the world did they get picked? Because what you see in Genesis is a story of people. A story of families. And when you talk about the families of of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let me tell you some of the words that you'll find in this family story. You'll, lying, oh my gosh, Lying is a big part of what's gonna of what you're gonna see in these families. Lying, deceiving. You'll see sexual immorality. You will see murder. Um, oh, Jacob. He might get the award for bad dad. I, I, I mean, you know, it's it's he he takes favoritism to a whole new level. He shows favoritism. He's got he's got twelve sons. He he shows favoritism. In such a way that it's it's not just that it makes the others jealous. It's not just that it creates a sibling rivalry. It's so destructive in in the lives of the the other kids. It's so obvious. Dad doesn't like you like like he likes him. And it ends up leading to more actual physical abuse and, and deceit. You know what? When you read about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their families and all that, you realize they're just a lot like us. But, but here's the good news. When you're asking, how did that family get picked? Boy, folks, it's by grace. Your life, your home, is not beyond being picked. Your life, your home, God's grace can reach that. Or as I bring in Genesis 50, 20, I might say that there's no mess that you've made. No mess that your family has made that means, boy, God's purposes can't be done in your life. God's purposes still can't come to fruition in your life. There, there's no mess, there's no evil that is beyond that happening still. That's, that's how good our God is. So, five things. We're, we're going to start wrapping up here. Five things that we want to take away from Genesis. Uh, that we want to walk away knowing. Number one, there is a God. He made the world and he made me. 
that, that's a huge one. I mean, again, that's kind of back to Genesis 1-1. There is a God, he made the world, and he made me, and that's why I read the Bible. That's why you and I need the Bible. Everything in here it flows out of this truth, out of this line. When you leave Genesis, boy, we need to know there is a God. He made everything. He made me. And that kind of leads to number two here. As God, He has the right and authority to determine right and wrong. Isn't that kind of obvious? I, I, I don't think any of us denies that. I say any of us. I'm sure somebody does. But I don't, I don't know that it's as much as we deny that. But it's sure easy for us to live like God really doesn't have the right to do. He doesn't have the right to tell me what to do. He doesn't have the right to tell me how to think. I'm, I, you know what? I don't know that I'm going to be bothered or threatened by the fact he says, don't eat that. I, you know what? If I feel like I need to eat it, I'm going to eat it. If I feel like that's what will serve me. in the, He made everything. He made me. He has the right and the authority to say what is right and what is wrong. It's not wrong for God to say that's right and that's wrong. Number three, God is working through us, even our mess, to bring about his good purposes. Isn't that, isn't that good news? Whether it's a mess that I made, whether it's a mess that somebody around me made, it doesn't undo God's purposes for me. Number four, boy, this is a big one. It's, you know, it's amazing how many things are going on on planet earth, going on in our society today, challenges, problems, and they go back. It all goes back to a book written, uh, I mean Genesis would have been written 3,500, 4,000 years ago, and it is addressing dead on the very issues that we're dealing with in 2019. Number four, man Woman, marriage, the home, those are God's creation. They're the building block of mankind. You know what, folks? I, 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 honestly, I believe that Satan, who is smart, who is strategic, he's not smarter than God. He cannot conquer God, but he can sure try to toy with what God's doing in our lives. And I really believe God can, or Satan, can, can walk into a culture, walk into a home, and, and I... I, I I think his thinking is this, you know what, if I can get him to doubt, if I can get him confused about what a man is, what a woman is, what marriage is, what a home is, I think if he can cast doubt on that, I think he can wipe off his hands and say, I'm done here, and walk out, and he knows the rest will take care of itself. What Satan wants for a home, what Satan wants for a society, all he's got to do is go after the building blocks. Go after these foundational things. If I, I'll just poke holes in those. I, I'll just cast some doubt about those. And, and, and the whole thing comes tumbling down. Number, number five, God has all power and knowledge and is good and righteous in its use. That's important to know. He's good and righteous in its use. I mean, an, an evil dictator can have a lot of power and a lot of knowledge. Now, only God has all power and all knowledge. But we might wonder, well, how does he use that? Well, I'll go back to Genesis 50, 20. It's for your good. God is good. God is righteous in the way that he is going to use power. You know, folks, every problem in your life is the result of either you 
or someone around you. And the same is true for me. It's a result of me or somebody around me ignoring, rejecting, or maybe just flat out attacking these principles. That, that's the, every problem we're dealing with comes because somebody is ignoring, attacking, uh, rejecting these principles, which means the solution to our problems is to find the path back to those principles. Get, getting a fuller understanding of those principles, what they mean in lives, what they mean in homes, what they mean in government, what they mean in society, and guess what that path is? The Bible. That, that, that's why God can make such a promise. Listen, if you're reading, hearing, and obeying, it will absolutely bring blessing into your life because it restores us to the original design. You know, it's interesting. If you will, uh, and I, I encourage you to do this this morning, you're stuck there in the house. You've got plenty of time. Uh, I, I would encourage you to look at Genesis chapter 3. Just the first five, six, seven verses. What you're going to find there is uh, Satan tempting Eve. And do you know what the temptation is all about? Is, 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 is it trying to make that, that fruit something that, that she wants to eat? The temptation is all about God's word. Satan is going to tempt her. And you know what? The strategy you see, Satan's strategy in Genesis 3, is the exact same strategy he has in your life. That he has in the life of your parents. That he has in the life of your kids. That he has in the life of your friends. Watch what he does in Genesis. The first thing he's going to do is he's going to challenge Eve whether God's even said anything. Oh, I, I don't... Listen, this... Word of God. Come on, this is the writings of a bunch of Jews wandering around in a desert thousands of years ago. Why should that have any impact or effect on me? This isn't God's Word. I mean, folks, the way He tempted Eve, the very first words out of His mouth, are exactly what He's doing today in individuals' lives and in a society's lives. Has God really spoken? Do, do we really believe God's actually said something that we can take this as God's word? Come on. The second temptation or the, or the second way of thinking. It, 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 if, if he can't get you to believe that God hasn't spoken, then the next thing is he tries to confuse you or cast, cast doubt that we can really understand what God has said. And gosh, don't we hear that today? Oh, you can't. Gosh, there's all kinds of translations. There's all kinds of ways of, of taking the Bible. Well, now, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, if there's all kinds of ways, if, if there's all kinds of translation, well, well, then shouldn't that just make us want to dig in even deeper? Work at it even harder to make sure we're getting to the right interpretation, that we're getting to the right meaning. But yet when you hear that phrase, oh, there's all kinds of trans, oh, there's all kinds, oh, one religion says this and one. When they're saying that, they're not encouraging you to dig in and really understand. What are they encouraging you to do? Forget it all. Don't even attempt to read. Don't even attempt to understand. Oh, because there's just, you know, there's so many ways to take it. And, and if he doesn't get you there, look at the third place he goes. If you're still holding on to God's word. No, I think God's spoken. No, I think the Bible is, is God's word. Then the third thing he does is he tries to get you to doubt God's goodness in speaking. He's, he's trying to get you, hey, you know what? God's holding out on you. 
God, God, God's hiding from you real life, real fun, real pleasure, real meaning. You, you know what? If you'll get past this and you'll, you'll take the bite, go after what's behind this, where, where God's hiding what's really good, then you'll really... He wants us to get us... He wants to get us to doubt that God is good when He says, don't do that. Do this. Folks, that's exactly what Satan's strategy is right here, right now, today in 2019. So you know what that means? That means the way that you and I fight Satan, we fight his impact in our lives, in our culture. Well, we go back to the tree. (laughs) And we honor God as God. We trust that he's good in what he says. And we obey what he says. We read we hear, we keep His Word. Guys, we, you know, as we talk about how important the Bible it is, the moment you open Genesis, you start seeing the power, the importance, the blessing of God speaking. And folks, when God speaks, believe it or not, it's you. It's you that wins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, a little bit different way for us to gather today, but we thank you for this opportunity to to study your word together, to know what you have spoken. God, give us faith. Give us faith to believe your word. Give us faith so that we honor and acknowledge you as the creator, the God of our lives. We, We trust that you're good when you speak to us and you give directions. And God, because we know you're good, we obey. We obey what you say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you guys so much for joining me this morning. Have a, have a good rest of your day. Go get that driveway shoveled.